0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now
1: at ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18 plus. Hey, it's Gina Stevens. Welcome to Beloit Radio, where we bring you digital marketing tips, expert interviews, and industry news for community media, community radio, and independent media. Visit our website at BeloitMedia.com. You're listening to Beloit Radio. My name is Gina, and joining me is Bob Johnson, producer and host at White Plains Community Media in Portchester, New York. Bob hosts a TV program on White Plains Community Media called Westchester County Roundup. He also hosts, monthly radio, hosts a monthly radio program on WPKN Radio called Second Saturday Magazine. Wow, I really stumbled over that one. But uh, it's because... The air here is so dry. I'm in Wisconsin. You're in New York, so you get that. But the air is so dry that I was coughing a lot before I got on the phone with you. So I started, you can't cough through the whole thing. So you have to chew some gum, drink a lot of water. So I'm chewing yeah. gum. and So that was the problem there. But um, before we started talking, before we started recording, um, I wanted to try to get a feel for what was going to be, really kind of the meat and potatoes of what we were going to talk about because I like to kind of keep these shows really short because, as you know, you've been doing podcasting for a while. um, People stop listening at a certain point. Yeah, I I, I totally get it. Okay, so we got to a point in our conversation where I figured that's a good uh, thing to talk about and I didn't want to go ahead and start talking about it um, until we started recording. So one of the things we want to talk about, go ahead.
0: Now, I just want to talk about the in terms of producing for content and for listeners of radio, for example. I do what many of my colleagues think is a successful interview with a subject, and that is try to keep it to 15 to 20 minutes. Because, and you know, half an hour is okay too. Um, I was fortunate enough to interview Russell Banks. I don't know if you've heard of him. He wrote Cloud Splitter about John Brown. He's written a couple of uh, books that have been turned into movies. But I talked to him for 40 minutes. And I, you know, as I listened back to it, I actually broke it into two sections. So I feel that that's a good, uh, a, a good time frame for people who are designing, uh, whether it's an interview show, whether they want to do a topic discussion. You know, 20 minutes to 30 minutes is, is probably about all that that listener uh, wants to, to hear. And the reason why I say that, I mean, how long do you run on a treadmill? <laughs> because I'm finding a lot of people are listening to podcasts while they're running on the treadmill.
1: Or driving to work. So you want to think about that, driving right. to work. So let me just pause real briefly. So what, what I decided while we were talking – and I was trying to get to know Bob a little bit to figure out where I wanted the show topic to go. We were talking about podcasting because Bob and I have both been doing podcasting since about 2005, six or so. And uh, so we started talking about the work that goes into podcasting, the work that goes into it—not just uh, the recording piece, the you know the production piece, but the marketing piece and, and knowing those things like how long. Uh, your podcast should be. So I decided that's what we're going to talk about. So Bob and I are going to talk to you guys about content um, production as it relates to podcasting. Maybe we'll talk about other things if Bob feels it's necessary to kind of throw that out there, if we can get it in within the time frame that Bob and I have thought. <laughs> Bob and I think is the right amount of time to talk in a podcast. So let's talk a little bit about uh one of the things that I always found to be difficult was finding people to interview for a podcast. That's one of those things that's always difficult. And the, let me let me rephrase that. Finding people who are willing to be interviewed, because a lot of times people are really shy about being on a podcast, or finding people who interview well. What, what do you think, Bob?
0: Well, you know, I have, since I have a long history in broadcast, uh, it, it seems that people come to me uh, at this point in, in my span of, of dealing with, uh, you know, on air radio and, and recently TV. However, when I started doing the TV show, I did have to procure uh, my guests. And one of the things that I thought about being as a, as a persona, as a talk show persona, was to be open to almost anything. Uh, If you're a singer-songwriter and you want to come on my show, hey, come on in. If you're an author, you want to come in my show, come on in. So I was very eclectic. I did not, uh, you know, for for many years I did zero in on author interviews. So I did that for a long time. So I managed to hook up with a couple of publishing companies. I I contacted uh, some publicists. Uh, I have to give a shout out to my friends at Open Book, who work with Penguin, who's one of the largest publishers around. I've got uh, you know b- books coming from Hatchet and from other major uh, publishing companies at this point. But I, I was very interested in, in interviewing authors because I was an avid reader, and I started reading in high school. I just loved books, so uh, it was just a natural from my personality to. Talk to people that, that write, and I love talking to writers. And um, and then you know, singer songwriters too, who want to get, who are just breaking in, who want to get uh, a little bit known, uh, will come into my show, come onto my show, whether we do radio or TV, and um, you know, we'll sit down and we'll have a conversation. And it's kind of nice because I kind of think of my program as more of a conversation than an interview. Uh, yeah I do prepare questions but a lot of times I just you know I, I, as I after I prepare the questions the conversation goes into different you know <laughs> different places so yeah I, uh, I know it's, it's about like being it's, relaxed right it's about being relaxed. yeah
1: and and I'll have people when I did my show for eight years in the beginning and I, this is what people will learn when you do a podcast in the beginning you're gonna have a difficult time finding people who wanna be on your podcast. That's how it is. You're a new podcast. They're like, oh, you know, you're new, do you have a you know, do you have an audience yet? What are you gonna do with the show? Are you marketing it? Are you just gonna do a podcast store on your website? You're not gonna do anything with it. What am I gonna get out of it? That's kind of what the attitude people have when you're first starting a podcast. Once you get it up and running, your inbox is going to be so full of not just the people themselves who want to be on your show but their PR agency. So you're gonna have a, you're gonna land on the list of all of these PR agencies who want to have people on your show. What will happen though is you'll have a lot of people who want to be on your show. They'll say, "Can you send me the questions ahead of time?" I hate doing that because to me, it's not as much as the, the conversation isn't as authentic. So I will prepare questions myself for where I what I want to ask, but I don't really like to hand those questions over to The person that I'm going to have on the show, if they ask, I'll give them to them because a lot of times they want to, they may have anxiety about being on the show and not knowing what to expect. So if that's the case, yes, I will give them to them without arguing, without any hesitation whatsoever. But if they don't ask, I won't give them the questions. Have you found that to be the case for you?
0: Yes. As a matter of fact, a big yes. Uh, I have only in the past you know i've been doing this since 2000 i've been doing this interview program since 2005 so you know 18 years now i've found that very few will ask me for pre set questions i was really surprised i had uh, some folks on the tv show a couple of weeks ago and they asked me for some questions and it was like okay that's cool <laughs> and i got a chance and i sat down you know for about a half an hour and i, I just banged out some topics really just some bullet points Uh, of what what I thought that would be interesting to hear from them Uh, and you know I just did it that way and then send it to them and they were very they felt more they were comfortable they had never done a tv show you know and the camera is on and they want to be you know somewhat prepared and I guess that goes for folks that are on the phone too that are that are that are putting on a podcast, that it's sometimes better to feel prepared. However, with authors, and this is uh, something with authors, sometimes you'll get the, a set of questions from the publicist, uh, and sometimes, uh, most of the time, from my experience, is that the authors do not ask for, for uh, a pre, pre-interview question. So. Yeah.
1: yeah, authors don't ask for those, they typically, and and you'll get a lot of authors. It doesn't really matter what kind of a radio show or podcast you do, you will get a lot of authors.
0: Right,
1: right. (laughs) Who wants to be on the show. So let's talk about content schedule. Sure. Um, That's one of the things that I will suggest that you do. Anybody, um, people of community media, community radio, independent media are already used to doing that, those who are professionals already in that, in that, um, those who are already in that profession are used to doing those content schedules. At least they should be. They're already used to planning the kind of content they're going to be doing this week, next week, and that kind of thing. But if you're brand new to doing this, then you know that you need to come up with your content schedule. So you know that this week we're going you know, sitting down and coming up with a, a even if it's just a spreadsheet, of plugging in and planning who you want to have on your show, at least for the next two to three months, basically, and planning that out. Is that, that's what I started doing um, probably within the first two months. Instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to do this person, I'm going to have this person on and just kind of doing shows randomly throughout the month or two, I eventually got to, like, saying our show is going to run on this day and this day at this time so people can come to know exactly when to tune in. What did you right. do in the beginning? What did you do in the beginning? And then what did, it, what, what did your content schedule look like in the beginning? And then what did it turn into as far as your podcast?
0: Well, I'm, I'm big into whiteboards. <laughs> and, and one of the things that I do is I, uh, I, I have a stack of, you know, every, every day I'm sitting home in the afternoon, I hear a plunk on my porch. And it's usually one or two books. And I kind of stack the unread books up in a pile. And then I wait for the emails. And then they come in and they say, hey, listen, can we schedule something with so-and-so in the next couple of months? And then I shoot them back an email and say, look, I've got an opening here, here, and here. Uh, What do you guys want to do? And as soon as they give me back a reply, I just copy and paste that into my calendar and – you know, uh, copy and paste it in my calendar and then run it on a, a small – it doesn't have to be a big whiteboard, but on a small whiteboard, a calendar-type whiteboard, you can get them at Staples, I think, or at, at some of the office supply stores. And just, you know, just write it in, you know, when what day you're scheduled and, and who you're going to talk with and, you know, kind of have sort of like um, – you know deadlines for reading because for me, it's always been deadlines for reading. If I'm going to schedule and, and I've done this and it's been crazy where I have nine authors to interview in one month, which means one show uh, of three hours with twenty minute interviews, I've actually done nine I don't do that anymore, but uh, you know sometimes I just would would be like, "Wow, okay, I got nine people. How did that happen?" you know, it just came up Mm -hmm. as a surprise, but most of the time it's five. It's usually five live interviews and then five interviews that I've pre-taped. So as long as you keep yourself organized, as a teacher, as as I mentioned to you, you know, my main profession is teaching and I teach theater and I teach science. So one of the things about being a teacher is that you have to be organized and you have to plan and you have to keep calendars. And I find that uh, you know, just by spending a little time planning, a lot of time reading for me, but a, 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 you know, just a, a little extra time planning really helps. Really helps keep keep yourself on on schedule and using calendars and whiteboards or or things like that to keep yourself organized. is Very handy. Definitely.
1: Now, I, I you'd be surprised how many podcasters I've spoken to who don't necessarily have a schedule. They just kind of wing it. They just wing it, you know, because they may not be interviewing people or having a conversation. I I like the way you say that. They may not be having a conversation with someone else on their show. So they just say, hey, I feel like doing a show today. I feel like, you know, and they just kind of do a show whenever they feel like doing a show, and you see these huge gaps. You know, you'll see that they haven't done a show. They'll do a show then three weeks. Later they'll do a show, and then... Shoot, they'll do two shows in a row, and then three months later they'll – and so that's kind of how they do their podcast. But for right. me, podcasting is – successful podcasts have the same thing in common with successful blogging, consistency. So that's yep. one of the things that I wanted to mention is make sure you set up a uh, schedule. Even if it's you say, I'm just going to commit to one a week, whether it's a conversation with someone or whether you put together something on your own and it's just you or – Another colleague of yours, just get on and do the podcast, but remain consistent, and and you're, uh, you want your listeners to know that they're going to hear from you at least once, on, once a week on this day at this time. So what about the marketing piece of it? Because that's the part as well. Once you've done the, the production of the podcast, you've done it. And, uh, and I also want to ask you what you did in the, in the beginning when you were doing podcasting because I, I know what I had to do as far as the production piece. But once you put it all together, piece it all together, and, and you had it running on your page and people can listen to it, now you have to market it. Right. So how, like, what, what were some of the really interesting tricks you used to market your podcast?
0: Well obviously, social media is important, so I I'm, you know I, I suggest that you know you use your social media, your friends, and uh, if you're starting off you, you you do that you send them links uh, you you know you create a page. I spent a lot of time working on a page uh, that I created for my own radio show. I've stopped doing it for for my page uh, It's basically I, I rely on the radio station to run. A page for me, and they generally do that fairly consistently. But since we're a, a live show and it's a monthly show, uh, it's also an archived show. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll just click on that and put that up on my Facebook page or put it on my Twitter feed. Uh, yeah, there's so many different platforms out there to use. And then eventually, I mean, you could go to a YouTube feed uh, with audio, even with a podcast. Uh, you can go on those podcast, um, those broadcasts. What is it? Uh, there's a bunch of them now that will take your podcasts for free and put them up there. So okay. uh, I would I would start doing that and, and building some listenership, you know, and, and just showing doing 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 the podcast with the analy- uh, analytics that are associated with it, whether it's YouTube. Or, or some of the other uh, podcast platforms, getting the analytics and then demonstrating an increase in audience uh, is always good. You know? And then you could show them, show them around and uh, hopefully other sites will pick you up. <laughs> it's all about word of mouth in this business now, in media.
1: I'll speak um, to two things you just brought up. One of them is analytics yeah. as it relates to marketing. This is very, very important. Mm. So, when I first started my radio show years back called Sister's Talk Radio, you can still find it on Blog Talk Radio. It's uh, Sister's Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com. Yep, I used back. to be on
0: there, too. Yeah, so Blog Talk you, Radio. I did, I did yep. that, too.
1: <laughs> so, <if> you, <clears throat> um, this, this show is actually hosted on Blog Talk Radio. Oh, so, cool. um, if you go to Sister's Talk Radio, Sister's Talk is one word, radio. Um, you'll see that those, those episodes are still up. But what took that show to the next level were two things. One, I looked in my analytics, and I noticed that for a while I had been doing my shows, and they were kind of petering along, doing okay. But then one day I decided to have a conversation with someone. This person was doing the AIDS ride in Wisconsin, and it's a 300-mile AIDS ride where you basically, they get on their bikes for four days, they ride their bikes for four days to raise money for the AIDS network in Wisconsin. That's what this ride was back then. And um, I interviewed, had a conversation with, actually I wasn't interviewing her, I was actually having a conversation with this person. This person is my fiancé at the time. So she and I were doing a conversation and we're talking about the AIDS ride and kind of giving people an idea of what the AIDS ride was and kind of bantering back and forth. And eventually it became a conversation just between, you know, us kind of bantering back and forth, having the time. And, and then, hey, don't forget to donate to the AIDS ride. I got done, with, we got done with that show and I checked my analytics like I always do. That show had triple the amount of listeners than any other show we've ever had. Triple the amount of listeners, triple the amount of shares, triple the amount of engagement. And I said to her, we've got something going on here. They, people, I said, let's try this again. So for the next three or four episodes, it was just me and her bantering, talking about various things. The next thing I knew, I realized this is something people want to hear. So we started these episodes where the two of us just bantered and it became a separate Theme that we did, so there were the interviews and then there was the bantering between me and her, completely started to grow the show. So if you pay attention to your analytics and you watch what episodes actually have the most views and the most shares and the most engagement, let's repeat. The second thing I noticed that helped grow the show was I got my first celebrity interview and from there I could get more. So you get your first celebrity interview and then They promote you and they link to that show on their social media and whatever. And the next thing you know, you don't have a problem whatsoever with getting others. You can get the others. And the thing I learned from that is if you can get people who love to talk about themselves on social media, get them to be on your show, record that show, hey, here's the link to your show, feel free to share it. They share it. Next thing you know, they're promoting you. And your show views and grow, your listening grows, your clicks, your engagement, all that grows. So those are two tips that I give people as far as marketing. Pay attention to your analytics and start to get to a point where you are very careful, not careful, strategic in who you right. choose to interview. You really want to Somebody, find people who, go ahead. Oh, no, no.
0: I was just going to say something very similar happened to me when I had uh, Rasmussen guy on uh, in 2008 on blog talk radio. I hadn't had him on any other sh- platform, but I was talking to the Rasmussen poll right before Obama got elected and I noticed uh, my you know watching the analytics, I noticed that shot up. I I quadrupled my listeners because it was right around the election. You know, we had a pollster on a very controversial poster who was showing that John McCain was going to win the election. And uh, it was it was great. It was, it was, <laughs> it was a fun interview uh, because he really looked at the numbers. And, but when I look back at the show, uh, which is probably still up there, by the way, I, I noticed my analytics went off the roof. So, yeah, when, when that happens, it's like, oh, <laughs> people are interested in hearing about that. So maybe I should do more shows like that. Right. Uh, and I've done some celebrity interviews and they've been up on there. I've I've interviewed. Um, I don't I don't want to I don't want to name drop. So I'm not even going to am not even, even going to say. <laughs> but I've interviewed name some drop. name
1: drops. Well, <laughs> I,
0: I interviewed you know who was on my show a few times is Geraldo Rivera. I interviewed him a couple a couple of times about his books and stuff. And I kind of uh, you know the show the shows did pretty well. Um, there were there were a few others too. I, I did. Um, and that I can't think off the top of my head, but a few others that had, now, that,
1: had, that helped. What people, what people who are a podcasts also should understand is that's, from, that's one of your marketing pieces as well. If you've had people like a Geraldo Rivera, or for right. myself, I've had Laverne Cox from Orange is yeah. the New Black on my show. Mm-hmm. So if that's you've correct. had people like that on your show, what you want to do is when you pitch your show, to, to other people you want to have on, you send out email, especially if it's someone you really want to pull, on, pull to your show and have them on who hasn't actually asked to be on yet. So you send them the email, and you say, hey, these are the people I've had on, and you link to those, those episodes and say, hey, these are the people I've had on. You can get them on very easily. Also, when you're marketing the show and you're marketing pieces, you want to put that on there. And it gives the show a little bit more legitimacy. And I know that that sounds really uh, snobby, but when you're trying to grow a radio show and get more listeners, you want to show that you've had certain types of people on there or else people just kind of scroll through and they don't even bother to stop to listen because they feel like, you know, this is either a new show that hasn't grown an audience yet or mm-hmm. nobody's listening to that show, and if nobody's listening to it, then why should I listen to it? You know, that's kind of how it works. Um, right. So when it comes to your marketing piece, you want to come up with as many creative ways to market your show as possible, or you're going to get started. You're going to get about three months in maybe, and you're going to say, this isn't working. I don't know why I'm doing this. You know, I've put a lot of effort into this already, and I really don't want to do this anymore. So. Let's, did you have anything else to add about marketing the content at all? Oh no
0: no I just uh, I, I was just thinking of dropping some more names I had Paul Reisner on you remember mad about mad about you or mad about me Oh my
1: God you're was. so aging yourself
0: Yeah <laughs> uh, I had him so on my show I, but he was doing he was doing a uh, he was doing a revival of his comedy of his stand up comedy. And uh, Paula Poundstone I've had on my show. I mean, there's, oh, a,
1: there's, <laughs> there's, a
0: few, there's a few that, you know, if you look to see who's coming into your a- neighborhood, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're in a city like Cincinnati and, and maybe Bill Maher is coming in or, 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 or somebody, you know, like a Paula Poundstone, uh, you can contact their agents and say, look, uh, I'm doing a podcast, I'm in Cincinnati, Paula's coming to Cincinnati, uh, could we t- spend 10 or 15 minutes on the phone? And from what I'm finding out is that if you're flexible with your timing and, 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 and such, um, you know, people will come on and promote their show. Uh, so a band, uh, you know, bands come in the area. You know, again, there's a, there's a lot of opportunities. If you, and you go to their webpage and they'll say, you know, contact their booking agent. You know, just say, hey, look, I, I see you're coming into town. Uh, you know, why don't, why don't we have a quick chat? You know so you can you can build by just pursuing some of these interviews too uh, you know right. you, if, if you, especially right. if you're new, you're going to have to pursue. Uh, that's that's one thing that I've learned. Uh, now I don't have to pursue so much, but I'm really not looking for anything, you know, anything special these days. I just like doing what I'm doing, whether it's, you know, talking to B and C authors or, or interviewing bands that are just coming into the scene, uh, singer songwriters that are just coming on the scene. I enjoy doing that because I, I like talking to people. I really don't. Have right. a, a preference. If you're not a celebrity, it's like okay, I can still talk to you.
1: <laughs> exactly, and and um, I'm not. We're not definitely not suggesting that you turn your show into some kind of a, you know, celebrity pit stop or anything like that. Right, what we're right, suggesting right. is if you are looking for ways, other ways to market your show, right, right, um, exactly. In addition to your social media, you know, that kind of thing. That ideas like that, you know, bringing on celebrities who are definitely going to post about the fact that they were on your show. They're going to link to it, or not just celebrities, but you've got influencers. So you've got you know looking for influencers who would fit in as you know as great um, topics and thought leaders. Exactly, <laughs> thought, thought, leaders, thought leaders, influencers. <laughs> yeah. Not just, no, actually I would say more influencers because a thought leader would not necessarily be someone who, um, I think thought leader and influencer are probably two different things. I personally don't really like the word influencer. I would use the word thought leader for myself, Um, but an influencer would be more of someone who is, they have the ability to um, get the engagement on your content going. I'm not interested in doing that, although um, I know that I can do that for people. I'm just not interested in that. I'm more interested in providing you know, articles and content that helps people learn how to get their job done. Influencers are people who typically... Um, what's the best word, way to put it? Influencers are typically people who like to try to convince people to do things. I'm more of someone who wants to provide informative information, informative stuff, information, so that people can get their job done. That's really more of who I consider myself to be. Um, So let's talk a little bit more about monetizing. A lot of community media centers, community radio, they're trying to figure out ways to um, generate revenue. And I know that you can't sell advertising. Um, Community media can't sell advertising. However there are ways that you can monetize your podcast without selling advertising. Has there been a way that your uh, community media has been able to monetize at all uh, without selling advertising? Well,
0: you know, Showing up on YouTube, I guess, uh, and having them run ads next to your content, because I found that most community media allows you to um, capture and have rights to your own content. Uh, I know a couple of fellows who do TV programs and will uh, have you – they'll run it live on the the TV station, but will not post the video of your content on their website – Like me, I I release my video to the community TV station. They have all my content up there on their website. White Plains Community Media, we'll just give them a little plug. If you go all the way down to the W's, you see Westchester County Roundup. Uh, But uh, they will uh, allow producers to take a thumb drive with their full file of their TV show, take that, and the person who produced it, the content producer, puts it up on a paywall site, That they've created so if you enjoy the interviews of of joe smith you can go to joe smith's website you can download his content maybe for a dollar a subscription a month Uh, some of them are as low as you know a dollar a month some are five dollars a month but i've seen people do that and put a paywall up there and they'll also allow uh, advertisers to come in and run ads. And depending on, on the clicks, or just have a side ad. You know, when the screen first comes up, uh, not necessarily running a commercial, but running a side ad, a uh, banner ad, or something, allowing that to happen so that their subscribers see it. So one way to do it is to is to um, gather your content. It's yours, and publish it. Uh, however you want to publish it, whether it's through a paywall, up on a YouTube, up on one of these block talk radio sites, uh, or w- whatever whatever um, uh, platform is running your media. I mean, there are, there are ways of doing it and, and monetizing.
1: Now, um, one of the ways I monetized mine was through block talk radio's revenue sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, with block talk radio's revenue sharing, you basically earn a portion of their ad sales. So if you host your show on Blog Talk Radio, you can earn a part of the revenue. Now, you don't have to record the show live on Blog Talk Radio to do that. You can pre-record your show, then upload it on Blog Talk Radio, and then promote it as another way for people to find your content. And then if people find your content there and they listen to it, then you get a part of the revenue. Now, there are lots of people who are on Blog Talk Radio looking for content there. The Blog Talk Radio community itself, they're constantly looking for content. That content also gets sent to iTunes and other, air, other places on the web. So once someone... Well, I'm glad you
0: episode, told me this because I should go back and, and re, rekindle my Blog Talk site because I've, I have, uh, I've kind of stayed away from it. And I, I remember I used to have to do it live back in the day when it first started so that's great that I -hmm. I could put pre-recorded stuff up there now
1: yes Um, they moved to being able to upload uh, episodes uh, a little bit uh, probably in 2008 2009 they moved to that and so a lot of the episodes I did with my wife at that point she was um, they were pre-recorded and uploaded Uh, they were not done live and um, I still, I have not had that show up and running in several years. I still get PayPal payments from that Blog Talk Radio show. So that is a very good way to generate revenue from your podcast is putting it up on a, and I'm not necessarily saying it has to be Blog Talk Radio. I say a podcast host that does revenue sharing is a good place to put up your content. Another good thing is (laughs) these, these podcast hosts they don't, have, they don't have rules like I write for some websites, like Forbes and business.com, and say, when you put your content on our website, it has to be unique. This content can't be posted anywhere else. Block well, talk radio doesn't say when you put your content here, you can't post it here, you can't post it here, you can't post it here. Post it here. So if you can find as many re- uh, revenue-sharing websites as you can find, revenue-sharing podcast hosts as you can find, put your content up on those podcasts Podcast host, you can start. It's a set it and forget it type format. You upload the podcast, and they're there, and they're always going to be there unless the site goes away. So you constantly generate revenue as long as someone is listening to the episode. So, like I said, I haven't recorded a radio, I haven't recorded a podcast on 60 Strong Radio in probably five years, but I still receive PayPal payments from that radio show because people are still listening to it. So that's That's one way to generate revenue. Um, Same with your YouTube. I mean, you put those podcasts up as YouTube videos. You don't necessarily, just because it's a podcast doesn't mean you can't put it on YouTube. So you put them up and you generate revenue as long as they're up and running and it's constant revenue that's coming in on a five, six, seven-year-old podcast. So keep in mind that revenue sharing is one way you can monetize your podcast.
0: That's great. Now, just one caveat there, just so I can share with folks. I mean, we were running my TV show up on YouTube, and YouTube kept taking it down because what I had done, and this is, I went through the whole process of getting uh, copyrighted material okayed by the artist. I have it on file. I did all of that, and they still kept taking my um, my my. Uh, podcast down, my, vo- my, my videocast, my vlog, uh, they kept taking it down because, uh, you know, it was considered copyrighted music. So since then, I just took it off. I took the copyrighted music off, and I felt bad because uh, the guy that I was uh, using was Tim Ainsley. He's from, he's from um, uh, England. And, you know, I had a conversation with him. He signed paperwork. We sent it to the TV station. It was on file there. It was on file as far as I knew with YouTube, and they kept just every time we'd run it, you know, they'd run it through their diagnostics or whatever, and they would take it down because of copyrighted material. So, if you're going to use music, you know, use that canned, you know, if you're, especially if you're a talk host, use the canned music that Apple has, use the canned music that Google has, uh, you know, don't, you know, because you're going to get hassles even if you personally know the artist. <laughs> created the music and yep. has it copyrighted yep. somewhere. So just yep. be careful with that.
1: And if you're going to add create intros and outros, because that's one of the problems I had before um, too in the very, very beginning. Um, I hired an independent contractor to create an intro and an outro for me and they had not purchased uh, a license to use the music for the intro and the outro. Yeah, you want to make sure you do that. And you guys are in community media, you know these things. But anybody yes. who, hasn't, who doesn't know this needs to make sure that their intro and their outro, that you have the right to use the music for your intro and your outro. Um, and I think that we've actually, the two people who gave you advice about the proper length of a
0: podcast.
1: Have yes, I think we're there. We not, <laughs> <laughs> not pay attention to that at all. So, um,
0: but you know I what? Just, We're also really interesting people, uh, Gina. So you know it's okay.
1: <laughs> so, it's just uh, we we obviously we love podcasting, and uh, we are just full of information. I realized the information we gave was about um, we we could talk all day about uh, implementing podcasting um, into your community media center. We're gonna have. You know, the TV people who are trying to do podcasting. We're going to have radio people who are actually trying to start to do podcasting and trying to figure out how to, to do all of this. Um, and there's so many other things um, that we can talk about, but we're not going to do that. If you want to know more about working with podcasting, Bob Johnson can tell you how to do that. Bob, tell people how to find you.
0: Well, I uh, you can find me uh, via Facebook Bob J on WPKN. That's B O B J O N W P K N. I'm on Facebook as Bob Johnson, but there's a zillion of us out there. Uh, you could also go to the White Plains Community Media and look at Westchester County uh, Roundup, and we and you can sign on to our newsletter. We have a newsletter, Roundup News Service, and uh, you can listen to WPKN dot org and we run streaming live and we have archives of radio shows up there and there's a lot of spoken word and there's a lot of folks doing podcasts from that particular radio station voted by the way by connecticut magazine as the best radio station for music in connecticut so we're very proud of the fact that it's an independent public radio not affiliated with npr but publicly supported and funded by the community Uh, We have lots of community sponsors, and we're really proud of the fact that we we just got nominated by Connecticut Magazine as the best music station in Connecticut, above all of the other commercial uh, outlets. So we're really proud of that. So you can check us out at wpkn.org. Thanks a
1: lot Thank you Bob for joining And thank you guys again for listening to Belwa Radio You guys have a great afternoon Or evening or wherever you're listening I keep forgetting that it's podcasting And it's on demand And anybody can listen everywhere So always say have a great afternoon Great afternoon, evening, wherever you are Thank you